Hi, I'm Superbose. Welcome to this week's Net Hero podcast. Another week goes by and more carnage happening in Ukraine. And it's really reverberating across the world now. You can see what's happening to the energy markets. You can see what's happening in terms of people scrabbling to decide what to do. Just have a think about the stories that have just come out the last day or so. You know, we've got the Prime Minister heading to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, not the world's greatest place when it comes to human rights, but he's going there as we speak to try and get away from Russian oil, to try and encourage the Gulf states to produce more oil. We've had a story which you'll see on our sister platform, Energy Live News, talking how the price of nickel is rocketing because Russia... Uh, now affected by sanctions, is one of the places which has huge resources of nickel, which is also obviously a vital component of EVs. So will this mean there'll be a global rush on EV prices or a lack of supply? This, these things are happening. We've had countries offering Russia a helpline. Uh, countries like India, Pakistan have said, China have said that they'll buy some of their uh, gas and oil. At the same time, you've had more sanctions being produced uh, across uh, the UK. We've even had, you know, the Church of England getting involved. Uh, there's a story today talking about how the Church of England isn't happy with Total Energies about their relationship with Russian entities. And there's even talk of firms who want to leave Russia but can't because of the way that they've done their deals, for example, MS, where actually they don't run their operation in Russia. It's franchised out. So you can see it's starting to affect everything. One of the things that we haven't talked about much is the renewable sector. Now, what's left of it? Let's talk about that. Is, is there a renewable sector? Well, actually, yes, there is. And Ukraine has always been a place to innovate in terms of renewable energy. Well, this week, uh, our reporter, Dimi, managed to speak, and, and it's amazing he did, with the chairman of the Ukrainian Association of Renewable Energy. This guy called uh, Alexander Kozevchic, who basically said that really the two factors that are really affecting it is massive damage to the grid, but also the, the fact that, you know, some plants can generate, and look at where we are now, you know, the infrastructure of the grid is vital for Ukraine to maintain its battle against Russia. So have a listen to this uh, clip. I think it's uh, the damages of the grids, uh, the main problem. And uh, uh, today we have such uh, an information that uh, some uh, stations are already damaged by the missiles or some other weapon. As for uh, wind energy, I think the main problem is that they cannot uh, maintain up to date. And uh, of course, uh, it's a big project. It's a much more dangerous situation on the wind power plants as a solar power plants. But uh, I repeat that uh, the main problem, of course, it's a grid. It's the measures of the grid. Great interview there, Fidemi. You can follow that. You can listen to the whole of that on Energy Live News. We've also been looking at things on Future Net Zero, and you find plenty of stories looking at the implications for what's been going on lately. For me, I suppose the real thing is we're now into sadly the third week of this war, and it's clearly starting to make people think about energy security, 
you know, beyond the loss of life, which is, I must say, the most important thing. We have to stop this war because of the loss of life. But the wider global picture is what do we do about energy security? As we speak, there are conversations about extending the life of our nuclear fleet by maybe another 10, 15 years. There's talk about perhaps not stopping the capping of the, the wells for fracking and, and starting to frack. Uh, could we return to possibly opening up fields in the North Sea, which were up until now not financially viable? Well, of course they are now because the price of oil and gas is so big. So we're looking at a real shift uh, across the board. My personal view, as I've said before, is we must continue the net zero pathway. That is the way we can get to our energy independence. And it's also the way it's better for the, the entire planet to do so. So have faith. That's my view. I know a lot of people are worried about energy prices. You can go and see what the, the queues are like for petrol right now. But we will have to bear some of this. As I said maybe two weeks ago, we have to bear some of this and we have to look at what we're doing. Now, on to the main subject of the podcast this week, which is much more cheery. And that's about the younger generation. A few weeks ago, we ran a story on uh, Fusion Net Zero about a school in East London called Morpeth School that had installed solar panels. Nothing unusual about that. Some schools do. But it was the, the vast cost of them and the range of them and why in an area it's a place called tower hamlets which is one of the the poorest parts of london the children the council the teachers are leading the way in terms of environmental sustainability have a listen to this now when i went to school which was hundreds of years ago the idea about um, you know anything being done for the environment was it's not a bit cool. I think what we did have is we had these funny little caravans, and I think that was our closest bit of environmentalism going there. And I wasn't really taught that. But the world has moved on. Kids are obviously at the forefront of uh, radical change regarding the climate. And schools are getting involved. Schools are getting involved from the point of view because kids want to do it, teachers want to do it, but also, you know, society wants to do it. And one school in um, East London, Bethnal Green, has done something I think is really clever. It's um, installed some solar paneling. It's quite a lot of money, more than half a million, £673,000 into Morpeth School. And I wanted to find out why, A, the council wanted to go ahead with this, because we all know that things are tough. We all know we're all still in post-recovery from the pandemic, which isn't quite over yet, let's be honest. And also, you know, is this the right sort of thing to be spending money on? But B, you know, where did the idea come from? What, what, what led to it? I would like to say I'm joined by uh, Councillor Asma Islam from uh, Tower Hamlets Council. How are you, Asma? Hi, Samir. Nice to speak to you. And we're joined by uh, Lucia Manville, Miss Manville. I, sh I can't call a teacher by a first name. <laughs> Miss Manville, geography teacher at Morpeth. How are you? Hello. Let's go back right to, to the beginning of this. So, Asma, uh, for people who don't know, obviously we're across the country, explain where Tower Hamlets is and kind of what sort of borough it is in London. So, Tower Hamlets is an East London borough. It fringes very closely to the city. 
Um, we have a really diverse community here in Hamlets. I've grown up here myself and now bringing up my children. So it's a really tight-knit community uh, with some wonderful, wonderful residents. Um, you know, we've got makeup of lots of different things. Tower Hill is right in Ambara. We've got Canary Wharf. We've got uh, Victoria Park, one of the most famous green places in London. We've got lots of um, amazing local economy uh, businesses. We've got markets like Columbia Road, Flower Market, that like a lot of Londoners might be aware of. So we like to call it one borough with the best of London in it. Yeah, and you know, and, and all of those things are true, but it's also a borough that's, as you say, right next to the city, but has a lot of deprivation. So that's that's a big issue as well, isn't it? Yes. So we, we definitely have some of the most deprived um, communities living in town hamlets and some of the most deprived areas. But that isn't to say that, you know, the council and the way we work as a community as a whole, we try and take that in our stride and try and find ways to support our communities and our residents. Yeah. Um, Lucia, tell us about your school. What, what sort of school is it? How many kids? So, yeah, we're a large, um, state-maintained, comprehensive school in um, Bethnal Green, just between Bethnal Green and Stepney Green. Yeah. Um, we're a co-ed school, so we have, um, and it runs from year seven all the way up to year 13. So we have sixth form as well. So, yeah, it's it's a very sort of, I think, large, we have about, ooh, about 1,500 pupils here. Wow. Um, okay. So a large sort of, you know, inner city London school. Is it Victoria? Is it one of those like my ones I was telling you about? You know, God. Oh, we, we, have, we have a Victorian section of it. So in the right. maths block and part of the languages block, which I think actually have a production order. They have to be oh, wow. um, kept. And <laughs> yeah. we have some other more modern um, sections of the school. I'm sitting in a rather lovely modern music wing of our school to use their recording equipment today. OK, well, that's good. That, that's good. So t- take me through how this all came about, Asma, because you sit on the sort of uh, environmental council, the planning department. 670 grand is a lot of money for council to invest. How did it all come about? So I think for us is in Tower Hamlets, actually, it was really important to be ahead of the curve when it comes to tackling the climate emergency, making sure that, you know, we can be as close to being net zero as possible. We've got we've set ourselves a target of getting there before uh, 2045 or earlier, and we think we can do it earlier with some of the work that we're doing. This particular initiative is come from a carbon offset fund, and we funded 670. £3,000 that has funded 100% of it has gone towards 24 schools and that's helping re- reduce energy uh, efficiency um, and it tried to help schools and Morpeth School was one of them um, and, and we're really really proud of the work that we're doing with this. Where did the idea come from because you can, you can spend as I said you know in the intro with it you know obviously we all know education so many kids suffered uh, during the whole kind of work from home lessons from home why did you think this was a worthwhile investment so this is part of a wider strategy um and so if you're looking at trying to reach net zero the council as an organization can do its bit and it is doing its bit and we want to be as an organization we want to be net zero as a council by 2030 but actually there's a lot more we need to do 
partnership-wise, and that's working with schools, working with our local businesses, mm. working with our, you know, our charity and voluntary sector, lots of different partners within our residents, most importantly. And the, the tackling the climate emergency is a job for everybody. So we all have a role to play. We all have a part to play. And so as a strategy, we, we've looked at different strands and looked at how we can, as a council, how can we champion, how can we support our partners in the borough and the schools are a massive hub, are a massive um, example to set when it comes to some of the works and initiatives we could do. We know the schools have gone through lots of different changes when it comes to the way they've been funded. Um, And so, you know, when it comes to paying for books and paying for some of the really urgent things that the schools need. Yes these things we didn't want it to fall at the back of the priorities um which makes complete sense right and so we we, we we wanted to see how we can best support schools in order to make sure that we can reduce their energy bills um and to be honest the more we do this as a whole it benefits all of us in the borough because any energy that you can use the more renewables we're using whatever's yeah. left over goes back in the grid for everyone else to use so it, it's a great initiative this is just the beginning we want to carry on growing this and see how much how, how much further we can go with it so who came first Lucia did your school approach uh, the council or, or was it the other way around yeah so the school um, approached the council because we were also working with a profit um, as well called power up north london um, and so they work with, um, so they're a non-profit company and they work with um, community spaces, so places like schools, in order to support them to put sort of solar panels into their buildings. So we worked with them and um, we also worked with the council who gave us an interest-free loan and a £30,000 grant. And in order to, with those two different sort of partners, to then make this solar panel project happen. So tell us what you've got. So you, you've got some solar panels. Where are they? How many? And what are they used for? So we have 365 solar panels on top wow. of, yeah, a lot of them on top of our main building. So most of them are on top of our, uh, our main building um, in the middle of the school. And we also have four inverters. Now, these are used to convert the energy that is collected into usable energy that we can use in our school. Yeah. Um so we then can collect our energy using the sun um, and it converts it into energy that we can use in the school. And since the installation, um, we don't have the exact, exact figure, but it's an estimated about eight to 10 percent of all our power is come now comes from these solar panels. So I feel that's like relatively significant. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, And we also have, so this is our project that sort of happened with this um, in conjunction with the council in 2020. But the first steps along this path that Morpeth took were all the way back in 2011, where we have some solar tubes put on top of our sports hall. And what they do, they use um, solar energy to heat the water um, to a certain temperature and then we use the boiler for the last little bit to get it up to a, a much hotter temperature. But it kind of does the main legwork of sort of heating up the water in the sports hall building as well. So this is something that Morpeth has been, this is predates my time at Morpeth. Um, so it's been a sort of a journey that Morpeth have been going on for, for quite some years, but it's fantastic in conjunction with the council and their support that we've managed to get all of these solar panels. So obviously the school made the case as, as, a, as a council member, you had to, I know what it's like. I've covered enough council meetings. 
to and fro? Did you go, yes, this is the one, stamp it? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, it's very much, there's a process. Um, the, here's the boring part, there's a process. But to be honest, when yeah. we have schools like Morpeth come forward, and they were one of the very first ones to partner up with us, which was a great thing. And there's other schools that are part of this initiative too. Um, and I've actually, so everything that Miss has just talked about, I've, I've had the opportunity to go up to the school and see see the solar powers myself with some of the students and that they're, they're so clued on and they really, really gave me a run for my money when it comes to <laughs> what we can do. And they this isn't this isn't it for them. They want to they want to be able to move this agenda even further. They want us to do a lot more, talk about how we can support them even further. So you know what? I think this is a great initiative. We need to carry this on. So in terms of what you're doing wider, you know, obviously I'm sure that uh, Lucia would have loved the 670 grand, didn't all go to, to Morpeth. You're doing things like um, LED lighting. For is it is it mainly you're looking at schools or are you looking at other council-run uh, buildings? So, yeah, so we, we have one strand which is looking at our own uh, carbon emissions and trying to, so we want to become a net zero uh, council yeah. by 2030. Yeah. But actually we, we, we do lots of different things that works with different partners so schools is just one part of it I mean there's other parts of supporting schools like helping them put up a green wall which helps um, tackle the uh, the air pollution that we have into hamlets but things like working with our community organizations working with our businesses we've got a, a partnership alliance group task force that works at looking at what each individual partners can do and how we support that um, partners like Kanae Wolf, um, you know, NHS England, um, schools are also uh, are now looking to be part of it. And I have told Morpeth they need to be part of this partnership. Small businesses, you know, ent uh, social enterprises, this is it. This is the future, is making sure that we're able to do things and so councils and businesses. We're all working together, residents, because it's, it is the partnership work that really is the key to all of this. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, uh, obviously, the school is the, the heart. You know, that's where people meet, right? And all the stuff there. So, how how first of all did the kids react to it, the pupils, and be what have the parents thought of it all the year? Yeah. So, um, at school we have our um, we have something called the Eco Council, and I'm really proud to be one of the founding teacher members of the Eco Council. And we kicked this off a couple of years ago, just pre pre COVID, um, mm -hmm. actually. And we declared a big climate emergency, and we actually had the BBC in as well to come and see us. And it was a fantastic um, initiative we did with the school. And we have some really committed. Um, members, student members of our eco council. So they were involved in this is kind of came from one of their brainstorming sessions about what they want to see in the school. And we supported them. And unfortunately, a lot of the admin had to be done by adult members. Of the <laughs> council. Um, but their enthusiasm and their support were there. So they were really, really thrilled to find out that we had got this funding and yeah. um, that we had the solar panels installed. Unfortunately, a lot of this happened during 2020. And so um, we were in online school. And so I think some of it got slightly lost, I think, in our online school situation. But now we're back and we're, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed. But, you know, we're not going back to that situation at all. So we, as part of the Eco Council, we are trying to then sort of reinvigorate and reboost and kind of raise the profile of these um, solar panels in the school. And the um, Eco Council are working on, currently working on ways in which they can kind of raise awareness amongst the student body. 
I, I think it's great, and and I I really like what you do. But let, I'm going to be very naughty here. See, as my will forgive. I don't think the teacher's going to forgive me. But you know, kids are very different, right? So there are some kids who are very into it. They all follow kind of you know what Greta's doing it, and other kids who just don't give a damn. They rather do what. What What's the wider feeling like? You know, for the kids that would just think, well, why are we doing that? Uh, it, it, you know, do they sort of talk to each other? Is Is it one of those things that kind of dare I say unifies people? Or, or there'll always be a group that probably don't really aren't bothered by it all. No, I think you've you know you've articulated that challenge really well. That I think with a, like a lot of issues, you know, it really sort of galvanizes. With a, or you know resonates with a couple of people or a yeah, sort of cool, yeah. one group of people and then others maybe less interested so what we've been trying to do in the school is kind of raise awareness so when so I'm going to reference back to our climate emergency um, our head teacher was super supportive and we actually had the whole school off timetable for an afternoon and so we could really talk about what is the climate emergency why does it matter and things like that so we were hoping at least to that extent that, um, you know, people's had a grounding in why we're talking about this. And then I think what's really important is the use of student voice. So that's why our eco council is so fundamental to this, because, you know, we don't want kids to switch off or as another teacher going on about something. It's it's a lot of this uh, momentum behind it is coming from our pupils who want to talk about it. They want to share their ideas. And so, We've kind of created this space in our eco council and it's open to everybody. And, you know, it's those people who are taking the lead and then explaining and communicating with their peers about what is important and why. And I think that's really fundamental that it's, you know, people to people conversations that are happening and they're listening to not another teacher, but actually yes. one of them. And yeah, I get that. And what about the parents? Because obviously... You know, obviously parents, you know, the priority is what, what the kids are doing in, in, in class. But I suppose there's a lot of parents now that look at this stuff. And again, maybe some aren't that, that interested. But has there been any sort of commentary on that? Because obviously money saved is a good thing. The school can put it towards something else. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, we have that sort of side to it. But I also think and um, we've had some feedback from parents and they've been really impressed with like, what the school has achieved, you know, with the support of the council as well, um, but also, you know, what our eco council have achieved, and um, you know, it's it's really creating a sense of ownership for the people. It's like this is their community, it's their world, yeah, um, and it's giving them a space to share those ideas, to say what they, you know, talk about what they want to, you know, say what they want to say. And um, so we think we've had some yeah, really good feedback and um, I've noticed it as well. So when we have new parents um, coming around for a school tour, so when we have our year six pupils coming around to have a look, and I've been really fortunate to be able to do some of those tours with prospective parents and prospective um, pupils. And quite a few parents have actually commented on the fact they've heard about, you know, Morpeth's climate emergency or seeing things maybe in local newspapers about sort of solar panels and so forth so I think it is those people who are particularly tapped into things that are happening in the council you know they they are aware so I think that's a really positive side of things you're you're the eco school everyone wants to go to hopefully (laughs) (laughs) as I mean young kids right I mean uh you look at what they're doing well well you're, you're you're all very young compared to me but I mean certainly when, when I was, you know, the age to go to a secondary school, 
yeah, we we did what we wanted to do. We didn't really, you know, there might have been the odd bit working with the teacher, but kids are much more vocal. I mean, the council, are you receptive to this sort of stuff where younger voices influence what schools say, and then that has to come to you guys uh, as the council and, and you have to listen? Yeah, absolutely. So in Tower Hamlets, we're quite lucky that, you know, we've got these wonderful schools and teachers uh, like uh, Miss here on the podcast. But actually, we've got another system which is uh, trying to help encourage the young voices that we have in Tower Hamlets um, through the Young Mayor Scheme. So every two years, uh, the youngsters will elect their own young mayor to represent them. And then with that comes four or five extra deputies who have different strands. So we have a young mayor for environment. You know, that's that in itself, that whole activity, um, you know, standing there in front of your peers, in front of, you know, your... um, um, your student friends who and then say look what you believe in and why you're standing getting them getting them sort of into that idea of you know actually believing in something or caring enough about the environment caring enough about about where you live and wanting to do something to change that so we're very much receptive to it um we do lots of different things like making sure we go and visit enough schools like like i said i visit Morpeth, um, central foundation some other schools talking exactly about this the eco stuff that the schools can do and how we can support them they don't just talk to us they actually challenge us really well you know they challenge us they challenge the school which i find absolutely amazing it's not something that i grew up with my memory of no, of course <laughs> and actually i just add like two of the deputy young mayors actually go to Morpeth school so yeah but 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 that's the thing isn't it you know all, all sort of jokes aside we, we we have got to as sort of the adults and i say that with <laughs> exclamation marks this this is what people want you know that the next generation consumers you know the next generation that will be you know doing our jobs are these younger people and they're much more attuned even compared to probably five years ago around what's happening with the environment so it must be a duty for you asthma and your colleagues to take notice of this sort of stuff absolutely we have to take notice of this because what we do the reason why this is such an important task and why we want to get it right is because in some ways I feel the generations before me failed us um, and didn't move this agenda far enough and didn't inform us enough and so that's why we've got to get it right so that the next generation actually all the burden's not on them because it is going to be the next two three generations that are going to be able to see some of the effects of climate change we see it now we we see now that my children I think are a lot more informed about uh, the climate change than I ever was at that age um, yeah. and so this is it and, but we have to make sure we enable them we put the infrastructure in place for them it's like schools are the best place because education is regardless of how how receptive they are to the subject there are going to be parts of it that they will take away home there are things they will relate to and some parts they might not relate to fully and there'll be children that absolutely like ASAR students who absolutely you know absorb every single thing that you say so it's about finding different ways like this podcast and you know YouTube and lots of different ways digital ways because these kids are younger lot are are very digital and so try and find different ways to engage with them and making sure that we keep drilling this information yeah, uh, before we go, Lucia, I mean, so w- what's the plans now? What's the council going to tell you to do? Miss, we want this next. 
Um, so I think, Asma, you met my colleague when you visited our school and there was a group that you suggested that we join as a school. I think you mentioned it a bit earlier. So that is something that we are looking into that would be great to partner up in that respect. I think also just trying to support um, our pupils to talk about what they want to talk about in terms of the climate crisis and how we can make our school more eco-friendly as well so I think it's you know it's very much listening to the pupils and then trying to support them and enable them to do what they want to do Um, so we're not trying to tell them what to do we're more guiding them and giving them advice and suggestions to help them articulate and communicate what they are caring about and what is you know what they're passionate about um, in terms of climate change, the climate crisis, and, you know, the impacts on our local community and, and Tower Hamlets. One little point, though, which is often raised to me, and, and it's a feeling of, are we, you know, I think there are studies, you probably, you're far more knowledgeable, both of you, but, you know, are we making a generation that's so scared about what's happening with the climate that they're not living, that, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. anxious about these things? Mm-hmm. And that's the fine balance, isn't it, Lucia? You, you know, yeah. yes, it is. We know what's happening, but you can't have kids thinking, oh, my God, the world's doom and gloom. No no way to have a childhood. No, of course not. And I think that's, you know, it's a difficult thing to do, but there is a balance between that about, you know, being realistic with our pupils and not um, not not telling them something because we think that they're not going to be able to cope. I mean, the kids are incredibly resilient. And I think if it's framed in the right way in terms of this is going to happen or this is happening, And we're going to help you, you know, with that future, because I think it's really important to acknowledge that no matter what our pupils or my pupils end up doing in the future, whether they go into, um, I don't know, technology, engineering, the arts, whatever it may be, finance, you know, climate change and the climate crisis is going to feature in their lives and it's going to feature in their professional lives. It's going to have a massive impact. Um, the green sector is the fastest growing job sector in the UK, I think, at the moment, or something like that. Yeah. And so we as education, you know, educationists, as you know, the council who are working with schools need to support our pupils to make sure that they are prepared for the future that they will face. And so it's all about, I think, being careful with our communication, saying, you know, teaching them about what's happening, but also what can they do now as young people, but also thinking to their futures um, as well and thinking like helping them put that as part of their thinking. So when they're, think- when they're considering um, GCSE, A-level or degree potentially options, that this is something they're aware of and we're helping them to feel empowered to make that difference in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I get that. And that's a good point. Finally, from you, Asma, you know, for the council, more of the same plan then basically you 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 feel a vital part of what's going on in schools is something that can be replicated across your borough definitely more of the same but more a lot more ideas a lot more initiatives like i was talking about the tahamas partnership alliance making sure everyone is part of this journey we were i mean even um with the more solar power story when that kind of got got a little bit of press around it um lots of small businesses and you know other partners in in the borough was like oh how can we be part of this is there anything we can do um is there any funding for us and and i think this is the great thing is 
things when you start something and, and it works and the initiatives there it, it can then blossom into lots of other things and so I guess we should thank Mopa for, uh, for, for co collaborating with us and you know having the initiative to want to do this because to be honest with you a lot of schools could and and so Mopa could have been one of them that could have said we'll wait and see what happens and, yeah. and not take yeah. a but the fact that they've done this, the fact that they support their students um, and actually co-designing the solutions. You know, we don't want to be telling young people or anyone in the borough, you know, we think you should be doing this. We want to work with everyone to say, you tell us what you think is the best way to get to that solution. Co-designing and collaborating, I guess, um, it, it has been one of the high points from this initiative. Very massive thank you for Morpeth School also for the support from the council to be able to get this done. You know, yeah. we couldn't have done it without that at all. So, you know. Lovely. Um, okay, well, 10 out of 10. Yes. Yeah, well done. There you go. <laughs> now, my only real question, Lucia, is um, in my day, what happens when the football hit, goes up into the, uh, into the solar oh. panels? <laughs> Luckily, that hasn't happened yet, but um, they are, happened. they also checked on um, periodically and we have um, cool. some members of our site staff are really on it. Because my mates would have been trying to get them up there. That would have been the, our game. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, well, I won't give that idea. That's a terrible idea. Uh, Asma Islam, thank you very much indeed, Lucia Manville. Thanks, both of you, for joining us. And I think great work that's been done there at Morford School and across Tower Hamlets. Thanks for joining us on the Net Hero podcast this week. Thanks, Amit. Thank you. Yes, that's true. I would have thrown the football up there, or my mates would have tried to kick it up, definitely. Uh, and I'd probably have to go and get it. So there you go. Uh, great stuff there, as I said, from Morpeth School. The Big Zero Show. I'm delighted to say we've passed 300 registrations. That's amazing. So we have 500 free places. Go to bigzeroshow.com. Make sure you book yours. We've got more sponsors being announced. I'm delighted to say there'll be plenty more content coming up. Uh, we've got uh, lots of new ideas to talk about and particularly in terms of kind of um, solutions around heat and EV. So if you haven't booked your free ticket, if you work in the world of business um, or you're just interested, it's open to you to come along. Go to bigzeroshow.com and register for a pass now. That's it for this week. Um, please keep subscribing. We've hit uh, 8,000 downloads, which is fantastic. Let's try and get to 10,000 downloads in the next couple of weeks. Really hope you enjoy it. Remember, if you want to be featured on the podcast, then just email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Until next time, thanks. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.